Let's open our Bibles. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit several places here today. I'm gonna talk with you today about the last days, about a, an update of prophecy. If you need a Bible, guys are in the aisles and they'll get them into your hands. Um, but turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. So I'm gonna have you put your finger in a couple of different places here. So if you're not Bible savvy, look over the shoulder of the person next to you. And then uh, you, you, you go to Matthew 24, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and then also Ezekiel chapter 38. So I'm going to jump around a bit today, and we've got a lot of ground to cover, so let's stand for the reading of the word. I will be reading from Matthew 24 first, then Ezekiel 38, then 1 Thessalonians 5. It's going to be a little bit longer reading, so you're going to have to stand a little longer, but you can handle it. Okay, Matthew 24, verse, and Jesus answered them and said, take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. These things are the beginning of sorrows, or literally birth pangs. Do you feel them? Okay, Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man... Set your face against Gog, the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against them, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your, into your jaws, and lead you out with all your army, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, and a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia and Ethiopia and Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all its troops, the house of Togarma from the far north, and all of its troops and many people with you. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. But concerning the times and seasons... Brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall so come as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pangs upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so they take you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet of the hope of salvation." For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us 
and whether we wake or we sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you are also doing. Let's pray. Father, we pray now that you'd speak to our hearts regarding these passages and the others that I'll have in the text. We pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us and that our eyes would be opened to what you would have us to understand. And most of all, Lord, that it would motivate us and, 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 and point us to Jesus Christ and to making him known in this world and living for you, Lord Jesus. We pray that in your name. Amen. You can have a seat. So I've been praying about what to share with you for a few weeks. My uh, contact let me know several weeks ago what I would be teaching today, that I would be sharing today, that he's in Colorado at uh, uh, Calvary Church in Colorado. Ed's here several times, and uh, it's really great. My son gets his first guest speaking opportunity. So Ed's never had me speak there, but he has my son. (laughs) It doesn't bother me. (laughs) No, I'm really very proud of him. It's great. So, and I I, I tell you, I have much to say about this subject, and I pray that I can can get across what I want to say to you today, because there's so much in the and a lot of things that correlate with where we are today that I want to talk about. But more importantly, and most importantly, what is on my heart for the church in general and for you, our church, is that we would be touched by what's going on around us and our hearts would be prepared to do and to be what we need to be in this world. So I'm going to start with Matthew 24. Uh, Even though I read from Matthew 24, excuse me, I'm going to start with Ezekiel. And I'm going to talk to you about Israel, Iran, Russia, and the Ukraine. And so people have been asking, are these wars connected to Bible prophecy? And the answer is no and yes. The Russia invasion, and by the way, I'm calling it the Russia invasion. You'll notice the news is often calling it the Russian-Ukrainian conflict. It is not the Russian-Ukrainian conflict. It is the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And we, I think there's an important distinction in that because Ukraine didn't say, we're declaring war against you. Russia came in, right? But the Russian invasion of Ukraine is not prophesied in the Bible directly. But it could be a precursor to what we just read in Ezekiel chapter 38. You say, well, how is that? Well, Russia is being isolated right now by the entire world. And the ancient names that we just read in Ezekiel 38 refer to Russia and other nations connected to that. But Russia is the main nation. Gog, Magog, uh, Tubal, Meshach, those are all Russian areas, ancient names. And when, when they conquer Ukraine, which they will short of a miracle of God... Because Ukraine is completely overmatched. They're doing a great job fighting against them, but they're overmatched. There's no comparison in the power of what Russia has. 
You know, you hear about the tanks being destroyed and how they're destroying tanks and they're, not, they're shooting down planes and things like that, and they are doing that. But Russia's got thousands of more tanks and thousands of more planes. And they have an army of 700,000 men. So unless literally a biblical miracle, miracle takes place, they're going to overrun Ukraine. And when they do, they will be they will also be financially devastated. Gomer, by the way, is believed to be the ancient name for Ukraine, which is mentioned in our text. So Gog, Magog, these are all Russian regions. And the escalation of this war will leave Russia vulnerable because it'll be frozen out by the rest of the world from trade. And by the way, the greatest assets that Russia has is gas, oil, coal, and other, in other words, energy. That's their assets. That's their thing. So they're going to be frozen out, and they'll not be able to continue to produce it because they will not be equally sound. They're going to be bankrupt economically. So this is not only going to destroy Ukraine, but it's also going to impact Russia negatively in a tremendous way. And we know China is chiming in and helping with Russia too, but it's still going to be devastating. Interestingly, though, Israel... You say, well, how does Israel tie in? Well, Israel has the nearly unlimited natural gas resources now. Ever since they discovered gas in 2004 off their coastline and hit the mother load in 2009 and have continued mining gas off the Mediterranean Sea, gas deposits they found, they are now positioned to be one of, the, one of the top producers and, and exporters of natural gas in the world. In fact, Egypt is currently buying natural gas from Israel so that they can sell it to Iran <laughs> and to other nations and to Russia. Egypt is getting in the position. So what is the hook that we just read about in the book of Ezekiel? There's a hook in the jaw, and that text goes on to say how they will come down and they will attack the nation of Israel. These nations all will conglomerate. They'll come and they'll attack Israel. Those and others, Iran and Syria, Iran and Persia, they're all going to tie in and they're going to attack Israel. Why? Why do they want this tiny? What's with this tiny little? When you look at the map, here's all these big nations. Here's Israel. It's like a... It's like a a piece of corn on a field that's 10,000 acres. <laughs> it's nothing. So why? Well, it seems as though the hook in the jaw could very well be these oil and gas deposits that Israel has discovered. In fact, in 2019, when Israel hit another area and found more resources, Putin tried to meet with Netanyahu and his purpose for meeting with Netanyahu was to make a Israel so that he could obtain the rights to some of this natural gas. Netanyahu wisely refused. And here's the other thing about these wars that we're seeing. Is they, are, they prove that Russia is willing to do whatever it takes to do what they want and accomplish what they want to accomplish. They want the Soviet Union back. You understand that, right? Now, Iran 
has been in bed with Russia for years. And Iran and Israel are at a, at a, at a they're, they're involved in a war behind the war, so to speak. Uh, Amir Safate, who I listen to at, at times and read his blog. And by the way, if you want to keep up on this stuff, if you want to be into it, some, some, I know some of you are like, well, I don't even want to know this stuff. <laughs> like, you're freaking me out right now, Pastor Chris. But if you want to be deeply into it, if you want to know a lot about it, go on his Telegram. Telegram is another app where you, you know, it's an information app. And he keeps things up to date all the time. And it's fascinating. For me, it's fascinating reading. My wife won't look at it, but for me, it's fascinating reading. So for some of you, you don't want to bother. I'll tell you a little bit of it. You'll take it home. You'll go, okay, I don't want to deal with that. But okay, I got the focus on Jesus. And that's okay. But I'm still going to give you this bit of information. But he calls this war between Israel and Iran that's going on right now. See, you don't read in the news that Israel and Iran are at war, do you? But he says it's a war within the war or a war before the war. And, and what's happening is there are military events that have happened between Israel and Iran, primarily Israel against Iran. And there's seven, seven ones that have been reported in the last three years, seven activities that they've taken against them the last three or four years. The most recent one, in February of this year, Israel sent six drones with missiles into Iran to destroy a silo that can, contained hundreds of Iranian attack drones. You didn't read about that, did you? But, but you did read how Iran attacked Erbil in Iraq, right? Some of you follow the news. You know that there was an attack of Iran. They went over. They almost hit our embassy in Erbil, Iraq. So what was that about? Well, Iran says that was their retaliation to what Israel did to them because they said they were hitting a Mossad, which is the Israeli uh, secret service, a Mossad site in uh, in Iraq, which Israel says, well, if they hit a Mossad site, we don't know where that Mossad site is. So there's like this, there's like this war going on where Iran and Israel are doing these things, but neither one of them is admitting that the other thing is really happening. So that's why it's the war behind the war, so to speak. Now, why is that important? Because Iran is one of these nations that will join in with Russia. Now, Iran has always been anti-Israel. But when they join with Russia and come down, they'll be one of these other nations mentioned. It's mentioned as Persia in the book of Ezekiel. Do you know, by the way, that we, the United States of America, we are about to sign an agreement with Iran to obtain oil? Iran, that, that bombing that Iran did into into Iraq, almost hit the American embassy in Iraq. When it first happened, it looked like it did hit the embassy, which would have been a declaration of war against the United States. And we're still negotiating to make a deal for oil with Iran. And by the way, also with Venezuela, which is a terrorist state. When we have our own oil here. I could get really political, but I'll avoid that. And by the way, Israel is now making agreements with all the Arab nations around them. The, the, the president of Israel was just in Turkey. Do you realize what the, like Turkey and Israel don't negotiate. They don't talk to each other. But this new prime minister, not, was it the, no, it was the president, 
This new prime minister of Israel is very, very liberal. He is, he and Joe Biden go together. So, oh, help me, Lord. So I tell you all that, say, what does that all mean? I'm going to get off the political stuff somewhat now. The point is that the, the possibility of this Ezekiel 38 and 39 scenario, and if you haven't read them lately, read those chapters, and you will see that it shows that these nations come against Israel, and 39 tells us that, that they will not succeed. It'll not be because America steps in and helps Israel. It'll not be because Israel's so powerful. It'll simply be done by God. He will shut it down, and it says that they'll, they'll fall on the mountains in, around, in and around Israel. They'll just fall down. The, 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 and we don't know exactly. It talks about horses. We know they're not coming on horses. It's the typology there. The world map is changing and realigning as we speak. So turn to Matthew chapter 24. Because Jesus told us this would come. And these things are really important to understand as believers. And then we're going to get to the really good part in 1 Thessalonians 5. (laughs) But Jesus told us wars and rumors of wars. Notice that in chapter 24 in verse 6. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. By the way, we are on the cusp of World War III. I don't know if you realize how serious this is. You've heard about the no-fly zones. Somebody have heard about them saying that, that Iraq, or Ukraine, excuse me, has asked for a no-fly zone over their land. Putin has said if, if any nation that gets involved in helping Iraq has declared war against Russia. We're helping them with arms right now, and that's all we're doing. We won't do any more. In fact, we wouldn't even allow Poland to give the old jets to the Ukraine and then supply Poland with new jets. We, we nixed that deal. So we're walking on eggshells right now as a nation. But if we, if we do this no-fly zone, if NATO and the United States, and by the way, the United States runs NATO. Let's just understand that. There is no NATO if it weren't the United States. Germany's still buying gas from Russia, and they're in NATO. So, anyway, so I said I was going to get off it, but it's really. (laughs) If we do this no-fly zone, Putin has basically said we're at war. That's World War III. So you're going to have Russia, China, Iran, and possibly North Korea, who's been very quiet these days, except for shooting off some missiles against the rest of the world, basically, against the United States and whoever else joins us. And Iraq involved, or Ukraine involved in that. So this is the scenario we see going on. Wars and rumors of wars. In my lifetime, there never have been these kinds of wars and rumors of wars. We haven't seen this since World War II. When we tried to, tried to deal with Hitler in a similar manner, and Winston Churchill said, it's not going to work. 
you're going to be at war. He said, he said something to the effect, I meant to bring the quote and I forgot. He said something to the effect of, we are on the, on the brink of choosing shame or war. And I fear we will choose shame, but we'll end up in war anyway. And that could very well be where we are because we're choosing shame right now. And I'm not saying what we ought to do. I'm not a, a war strategist. I don't know what to do. I'm just saying what we're doing doesn't seem like much. It's interesting to me how we have Zelensky speak to our Congress, and he speaks to the Israeli Congress, or he speaks to the uh, UK Parliament. By the way, first person to ever speak to the UK Parliament in their hall, which it was done by video, but first, first ever non-British. He speaks to them. They all cheer. Our Congress all cheer for him. I, if I were him, I'd be sitting there saying, keep cheering, but give me something. <laughs> like, what are you doing for me? You're cheering. Thank you. He's a very unique leader, by the way. Do you know he was an actor? So he's a very unique leader. He's a very charismatic leader who's being accepted by the world. Isn't that interesting? Sort of a foreshadowing. By the way, if you listen to Amir and you read his stuff, you're going to find out I stole a lot from him. Unashamedly, by the way. <laughs> Matthew 24. For many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. So I've just troubled you, haven't I? Have I is anybody troubled? A few people? Okay. Jesus says, don't be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled, he tells us. Believe in God. Believe in me. For all these things must come to pass. You get that? But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. Wars and rumors of wars. I've just told you of all these things. There is one thing about these wars that are a bit scary to all of us. It certainly can bring fear. We shouldn't be troubled, but it can, can't help but bring some consternation. And that is that if there is a World War III, what will this war be like? Yesterday, Russia unleashed the fastest missiles in the history of humanity. They are nuclear capable. He didn't fire them with nuclear weapons. But we even don't have an answer for them as far as how to combat these missiles. And by the way, America has primarily spent our defense money on, on how to stop nuclear weapons, whereas Russia has spent their defense money on how to use their nuclear weapons. Now, we have 100 times as much weapons as they do. But it's just interesting how they are differently used. So there are also other wars going on in the world. I don't know if you realize, there's a civil war going on in Afghanistan still to this day. There's war in Ethiopia. There's war in Yemen. There's conflicts in Mexico, Uganda, and other areas of Africa. This is the, not the only two wars. You just don't hear about anything else because this is the big stuff. The famines, there are famines right now, 
our world is facing famines where up to 30 to 40 million people could starve to death in the next few years. In an article titled, Hungry in a World of Plenty, Millions on the Brink of Famine, I read that today the world stands on the brink of unprecedented famines. About 30 million people are experiencing alarming hunger, severe levels of food insecurity, and multinutritional in in northern regions of Nigeria, South Sudan, Somalia, and Yemen. 10 million of them are facing emergency famine conditions right now. It's already likely happening in parts of the world, parts of Nigeria, while Yemen and Somalia are on the brink. And these are just four of the countries. There are others, Malawi, Sudan, Afghanistan, Syria, millions of people. And not, this doesn't even mention the refugee crisis of three million people who've left Ukraine. Now, interestingly, famine is going to get worse with this Russia invasion. Why? The number, the top producers of fertilizer in the world are Russia and Ukraine. And as they close off Russia and don't allow them to trade, they will not be trading their fertilizer to the rest of the world, which will cause a food, food shortage. In fact, you guys know this, for the first time in our lifetime, we are facing shortages of certain kinds of food. Now, we're not facing famine, but you know, you go to the stores and the the shelves are empty, and you're like, what happened? Big run on toilet paper, right? (laughs) Remember that with COVID? Like, what was that? Most important thing we need. We got to get a case of toilet paper. And of course, all these shortages are an impact of COVID all throughout the world. And now the war is going to affect all that too. In fact, we're being told that our gas prices have gone up because of the Ukrainian war, even though they were already going up long before the war started. We have famines, pestilences. Have we seen any pestilences? But you know, it, it's all, everybody talks about COVID, 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 COVID. Everything's COVID. You know, for a while, until the war, all you, you turn on the news, all you heard was COVID, right? You open, an, open anything on the internet, COVID this, COVID that, the COVID tests of this, the COVID tests of that. Do you realize COVID is not the only virus in the world? And that it's not, it, 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 there, viruses have been around. Like there's, you know, the West Nile virus. There's the anthrax, uh, you know, uh, problem we had with contamination of white powder. There was SARS. There was, there was, do you know there was an outbreak of mumps in 2006? There's E. coli. There's salmonella. There's the H1N1 virus, swine flu, whooping cough, MERS, Ebola, Zika. I don't know where they get all these names. And of course, COVID-19. And then going backwards, you had, you know, the Spanish flu, which killed 50 million people. Do you realize that? So you look back, viruses have been with us, but yet now these pestilences seem to be one on top of the other on top of the other. And now I believe we're seeing man-made viruses, right? So you have famines, pestilences, earthquakes. Last week, there were 29 earthquakes in the world over 5.0. 
last week all around the world. The largest one was in Japan. You probably heard about that one, 7.3 earthquake, which caused uh, tsunami alerts in several warnings all throughout that region of Japan. Do you realize that when Jesus says earthquakes here, the Greek word is, it means cataclysmic events. So it affects actually tornadoes, hurricanes, uh, uh, typhoons, volcanic eruptions, all fall into these categories. And if you add all those up, they're astronomical numbers of events happening all throughout the world. Just in the United States, we have hurricanes every year. When I was a kid, when you were a kid, do you remember hearing about so many hurricanes? Now, part of it is that they track them more. But that's not all of it. There's still much more coming one and seem to be coming one after another, after another, after another. And it's all part of the scene of the last days. And I'm convinced we are in them. So, where does this leave us? Is anybody still having a little consternation? Well, we're to look up because our redemption is drawing near. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is our blessed hope as believers. I'm not planning to be here for what Revelation chapter 6 begins, the great tribulation period. Because Revelation chapter 6, we'll get into this, talks about how we're not appointed to wrath. We'll talk about that in a minute. But from Revelation chapter 6 up through the end of the book of Revelation, and especially through about chapter 12, you have unbelievable things happening in this world. Like what we are seeing happening now is a spit in the ocean compared to what will happen in the time of the tribulation period. The Bible, in the tribulation period, it says, I believe it's in chapter 9, that the the blood will be flowing on the streets as high as the horse's mane. That's four feet tall. There will be billions of people who will, who will die. There'll be billions that'll go, what I believe to be, we're going to talk about in a moment, the rapture of the church, but then there will be billions more that will die because it will tell us a third of the earth's population will die at one point, and then another third will die. By the time it's done, the earth's population will be down below, it seems as though as you read it, down below 2, million, two billion people. We're over 8 billion people now. Between the rapture and the church and these cataclysmic events that will happen in the, book, in the tribulation period, you'll, be, you'll see somewhere in upwards to 6 billion people gone from this planet. Every single person on planet Earth will be radically affected by this time. There's no one that will escape it. Except us. Now, if you believe in a post-tribulational rapture or a mid-tribulational rapture, I hope you're wrong. (laughs) And I I don't believe you're right, obviously, and I'm going to tell you why. Concerning the times and the seasons, this is, these are indiscriminate periods. Seasons are defined periods that, that point to the times, so to speak, and they all belong to the Lord. The times and seasons are all in God, so it's all God's timing. No man knows the day or the hour. No one can predict this, and I'm not giving you a time period. I'm not saying when. 
I will tell you, I believe the rapture will happen just before the rolling out of the Ezekiel 38 scenario. I believe that. And there's evidence to that. But I'm not going to stake my salvation on that. I wouldn't even stake your salvation on that. It says, for you yourselves know, verse 2, perfectly, the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So a time period that begins with the rapture of the church and continues through the tribulation period is called the day of the Lord. But understand something. Nothing is out of God's control. If you are at fear, in fear today, as I share these things, or maybe you've already been in fear and you've struggled with watching the news and you can't even watch and you can't even deal with it, I'm here to tell you you have nothing to fear if you trust Jesus Christ. Because he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, of power and love and of sound mind. So he comes as a thief in the night. It says, when they say peace and safety. So there's going to be this man. We're not going to get deeply into the Antichrist scene, but there's going to be this man that will come on the scene. Imagine right now if a man came on the scene and had answers to the wars and the, and the economic scene and the problems of the world and, and how the world would receive him. They will worship this man. And in fact, you will be required to worship him. And if you do not worship him, if you're still here, if you're not a believer before the rapture, you stay, you hang out, if you want to become a believer, it's going to cost you your life. If you do not, if you worship the beast, you've lost your opportunity. But he says peace and safety. So there's going to be this period of time when it seems like peace and safety. Everything's good. Oh, it's all settled. Then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape those who don't go in the rapture are not going to escape. But you, brethren, this is why I know it's talking about us, right? But you, brethren, Paul's writing to the Thessalonian church, and he's saying you are not in darkness so that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, so, and so on. So in other words, there's going to be some people who are shocked by this, as a thief in the night. What kind of things shock you? I don't know about you. I read the news. It shocks me almost every day, right? I like to play games with my grandkids. I go up and I sneak up on them and I scare them. So one day I was with my two uh, six-year-old and eight-year-old granddaughters. And uh, I went up to the six-year-old and I scared her. And she got, I really got her. You know, she was concentrating. I go, Kaylee, ah! She jumped out of her shoes. Pop, you scare me, you scare me, you scare me. Then Avery, she's eight years old, she said, Pop, scare me. I said, I can't scare you now. You know I'm coming. Right? That's the difference. We know he's coming. We should not be shocked. If you're ready for the rapture, his coming won't shock you. We are living in times when almost every day we say, wow, that's crazy. We're shocked at our nation. We're shocked at all these things I just shared with you. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the last days. And as in the days of Lot, so it will be. 
In other words, it, it, for these people, and what he's talking about there, yeah, some refer to the debauchery of the time of Noah and, 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 and Lot, and that's possibly a connection too. But Jesus is also saying, he says, they'll be marrying and, living, and giving in marriage. They'll be living their lives. And people in this world are just living their lives. I was on a flight back on Thursday from Florida to come home here. And as I'm, I'm sitting next to a lady, um, we got separated because they upgraded me to first class and my wife had to sit in the back. It was very... I actually offered, I want to be clear, I offered her the seat. I want to be very clear. I said, you can have the first class seat. And she said, oh, no, I don't want it. Because she doesn't like to sit next to strangers. And she's sitting in the back. She had a whole row. I'm like, okay, I don't mind strangers. And I got to talking to this lady next to me, and she's a self-identified secular Jew. Jewish woman, secular completely. And I started talking with her about the world and the times we're in and what's going on. And she says, oh, it's frightening. It's horribly, horribly frightening. I can't even think about it. And I said, well, I have a solution for you. (laughs) And I started to share the gospel with her. And she completely rejected it, sadly. And she went on to tell me how she believes and, you know, she's basically a secular, she believes that we're all God and we have God within us and there's good in everybody. And I said, oh, good in Hitler. Was there good in him? Is there good in Putin? I said, well, there's a, there's a capability for good in everyone. We have a conscience. But what do you do with good and evil? And then what do you do with death? Oh, I think we just kind of go into, into nature. I'm like, okay. It was a sad conversation. But she's living in the days of Noah, the days of Lot. She's living her life, and she's a success, successful person, and she's got her family and her children and her life, and she goes to an interfaith Muslim-Jewish meeting where they feel good about each other because they're saying, I love you, you're a Muslim, I'm a Jew, and they're both secular, and they don't have any controversy, and God is in all of us, and meanwhile, there's a war going on in, in Ukraine, and the world's going crazy. But that's what people are like. They got their head in the sand. And by the way, some believers, and I hope you're not one of them, their head in the sand. They just, I'm just going to live my life. I don't want to know. Don't shake my world. And they don't even, they don't even want to form a theology about when Jesus is coming or, or that the rapture might come soon because they don't want to think about that. I've, I've talked to some young people before who are about to get married. I said, would you rather get married or would you rather be raptured? That's a tough one. <laughs> Most of them have said they'd rather get married. I'm like, not me. I'd rather get raptured. <laughs> but I've been married 40 plus years, so. By the way, when it says we'll be taken there in Matthew chapter 24, it says that later in the chapter, it's speaking about the rapture, that the one who's taken is taken to safety. That's us. The word rapture comes from this text in 1 Thessalonians where we'll be caught up in, in chapter 4. It will be taken away. In the twinkling of an eye, 
That's greater than the blink of an eye. You blink your eye, it's a, a millisecond. A twinkling is like way faster. We'll be snatched away to be with the Lord. See, we have two appointments. An appointment with the wrath of God and the wrath of God is coming on this world or you have an appointment with the Lord. And we're living in these days when these appointments, the marrying, the giving in marriage, and if you don't know Christ today, if you are in that place where you're just living your life, you need to come to grips with the fact that this world is burning up. There's a fuse. Now, I don't know how much time's left on the fuse. I'm not predicting and saying absolutely these things will lead to Ezekiel 38. I don't know that. This is burning. And we're closer to the end than we were yesterday, and we'll get closer every single day. And all of a sudden, boom, it's going to happen. And if you don't know Jesus, please come to him today. Get that part of your life right. You don't need to understand everything I'm talking about today. You just need to believe that Jesus died for your sins, rose from the dead, and you want to turn to him and give your life to him and have your life be changed from the inside out. Because not only will it give you a great life here, a better life here, but it'll give you eternal life. And when this rapture happens, you'll go with us. We don't want to leave you behind. So at the end of the service, I'm going to give you the opportunity to give your life to Christ. And if you haven't heard anything else I've said or if everything else hasn't made sense to you today, take that portion of this message and receive it in Jesus' name. See, we're, we have an appointment either with wrath or with God. And you've got an appointment with God. And God doesn't desire that any would perish. He wants us all to come to eternal life. But there is no wrath for the believer. Again, I mentioned this earlier, but in Revelation 6, it calls the time of the tribulation period the wrath of the Lamb of God. Who is the Lamb of God? So it's the wrath of Jesus against a Christ-rejecting world. If we are to go through that period of tribulation, that means that Jesus is abusing his bride. Does that make any sense to you? Doesn't to me. Would never do that. The wrath of the lamb is not appointed for those who are believers. Now, some would say, well, why would this last generation escape the wrath of God? Why would we escape this time, the tribulation? Well, we don't escape tribulation entirely. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But the source of the tribulation that we experience is the world, the flesh, and the devil. The source of this tribulation, this wrath, is Christ. We don't experience that. Listen, I, I read, I receive emails and intel every day of Christians who are being persecuted and killed all over the world. I'm on several email lists. I read them. I send them out on my Facebook page. You've some, some of you have commented on them. <coughs> and I, I, I comment on those things and say how sad it is that our Christians or brothers are being persecuted throughout the world. And it's happening every day in the Sudan, in India, in Iran, in other parts of Africa. We, can, we could easily in our country suffer persecution and tribulation. There's no question. We're not immune to it. <coughs> But we will escape, I believe, the great tribulation period, which begins in Revelation chapter 6. And if you believe in post-trib, it's okay. And I've got 
I'll be reminding you of it for all eternity. <laughs> and, and look back again and make sure you understand. These are believers that Jesus is speaking, that, that Paul is speaking to when he says these things. He says, you, clearly, over and over. I'm looking for the text. He says, brethren, you have no need that you sh- I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, so on. Verse 4, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, that you should be overtaken by a thief. You are sons of the light, and we are not of the night of the darkness. Notice, it's all speaking clearly. This is a time and a thing that Paul is telling Christians that we're not appointed to these things. In fact, let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 13, and where this kind of starts with Paul talking about this, where he says, for I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with us. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will arise first, and those who are alive and remain will be caught up. That's our word, rapturos. Where the word rapture comes from, will be caught up, harpazo, is the, name, is the word in Greek, together with them, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Listen, when I talk to you about the tribulation period, and I talked about these wars and rumors of wars, and I talked to you about Ezekiel 38, does it comfort you? No, not necessarily, except that it, it points to the fact of the rapture, and that's why I'm bringing this in today, to comfort you, to tell you that if you know Christ and you're ready for you're walking with him. You're going to be. And I don't believe in a partial rapture, by the way. I believe we're all going. Even though you might not be quite right with the Lord. But get right with the Lord. You're... See, they were wondering about some who died. And that's how this came up. What would happen to them? So what do we now do? What does this mean for us now? How can we be rapture ready, so to speak? Notice verse 4 again. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that this day should overtake you as a thief. You're not in darkness. Know who you are and are the sons of the light. We are not of the night or the darkness. Jesus said you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And listen, we have access to God. We are able to speak to the Lord as believers. We have this relationship. So be who you are. In Christ. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old has passed away. Behold, Paul said in Romans that we're joint heirs with Christ in verse 18, chapter 17, or chapter 8, verse 8, 17. In Romans 8, 29 and 30, he says, For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that in order that we, we might be the firstborn among many brethren. In Romans 8, 16, he calls us the children of God. In 12, we're called the sons of God, the children of God. In Mark 14, Jesus says, passing along the Sea of Galilee, he says to Simon and Peter and the people we are, we're the sons of the light, we're the children of God, we're the fishers of men, we're to live our lives this way. 
to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what you're here for. So as he says in Thessalonians here, wake up basically. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, stay sober. That's not just talking about alcohol. Stay sharp. Look for opportunity everywhere you go to tell people about this wonderful hope that you have within you of Jesus Christ and him crucified and the hope of salvation. They're not always going to listen like that lady on the plane, but that's not my job. I sat down. She was there. I began to pray, Lord, we had this great view looking out the window of, because it was an early flight, we had light coming out on one side and the moon on the other side. She started looking at that and started a conversation and I shared the gospel with her. Just look for opportunity. There are people all around you who need Jesus. Romans, he says, and do this knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for, we, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. It's going on all around the world, but the greatest war that's happening in the world is the spiritual battle that's going on in the heavenly places. Because there's stuff going on uh, in that realm that we don't even understand or know. But we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness of this age. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We don't need the gun. We need the, the power of the spirit. So, so to speak, he says it again in verse 8, let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Ephesians talks about putting on the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and so on. Jesus said, take heed to yourself, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, cares of this life, and the day come upon you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all who dwell in the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Be ready. Be watchful. Don't get weighed down with this world. If you do, you might be one of those shocked Christians. Put on faith. Believe that God is who he says he is. You've heard the term about some people, oh, she wears her emotions on her sleeves. People should know you're a believer. Right out in front. Don't be a closet Christian. Live your faith through love. Love people and tell them God loves them. Tell them about forgiveness. Do you realize that people desperately need forgiveness and they know it and they don't know how to find it and we have it? Jesus provides forgiveness. And I have you embraced that forgiveness for your own life today? I know most of us have, but maybe a few in this room have not. See, this is the way we get ready for his coming, is the things I've been speaking about. Some want to hoard food or prepare and have a gun in their house and make sure. And I'm not saying this, right? If you want to have a gun, have a gun. I don't care. But I'm just going to ask you a question. 
Like if people come for food at your house, are you going to shoot them? Like what are you going to do? It is more important or most important that we are spiritually prepared and right. As we love our neighbor as ourselves. So I have a final statement about this rapture issue. I'll read it to you. When we walk in faith, practicing love, with the hope of salvation, we are ready for the rapture. I'll say it again. When we walk in faith, with hope, love with hope of salvation, we are ready for the rapture. And a key verse in Thessalonians there is, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of the faith and love as a helmet of salvation. Amen? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? There's a lot of material today for people. Lord, I, I ask you to help us to take one thing from this message today and have it pierce our hearts. And Lord, if that one thing perhaps is something about walking in the light for some or, or laying aside the works of darkness, even just being conscious of these things and realizing the days we're living in. Lord, I ask if there's anyone among us who doesn't know you, who's not yet turned their life to you, that this would be their moment here and now. And if you are that person or persons, if you have never come to Jesus, I'm inviting you right now to open your heart and receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. You say, how do I do that? Step of faith that first of all, you believe you're a sinner. You know that. Secondly, you believe that Jesus Christ, God the Son, came to this earth and died for your sin. And thirdly, you're willing to ask for the forgiveness of that sin and receive it through the death of Christ and his resurrection. And fourthly, you want to do this right now. If that's you, and you want to pray this prayer with me right now and mean it from your heart, say these simple words. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I'm lost without you. I open my heart to you today. And I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead on the third day. And I believe you're in heaven.